Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 6th of February, 2024. Happy Tuesday to you. And it's not really a happy Tuesday. It's a ridiculous Tuesday with this piece of legislation that I hope that they're right. Uh, the House Republicans are saying this is dead on arrival. There's, there is one method that they could get around that. It's called the dis- discharge petition. Maybe I'll get into that. But it doesn't seem as though this thing is going anywhere, at least in its current form. And what a joke. And we'll get into why. And I just can't. Oh, God, Republicans are so damn stupid. It's going to be a tough rope to walk today and not just peppering this thing with F-bombs because, quite frankly, it deserves it. And uh, every Republican who even entertains the idea of supporting this needs to be challenged in a primary. So we'll get to all of that and more. Don't forget about, the you know, if you want to hear the news with the F-bombs, the way the news deserves to be talked about. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter locals.com. Check out the week in F and review. That's where you get the contests and all that good stuff as well. Let's let's get started so we can get into it. There is so much stuff to talk about that we're going to hit the ground running. Well, I always say hit the ground running, hit the ground splatting, but then you get up and then you start running. We have to talk about the situation with the border and this bill. There's a deal. Oh, there's a deal. If you notice who's happy about this, you should be aware of who is unhappy about this. And of course, this is uh, the left morning Joe this morning was insufferable. You got Joe and Mika sitting down there in Florida pretending to be in New York studios going, everybody loves, there's no, Republicans are standing in the way. This gives them everything they say they wanted. This gives them all that they say they, it's not not anywhere close to that. James Lankford one United States senator who was apparently just a, a complete moron. I don't know. He's sort of been in a... He's a little bit Lurchian in his appearance and delivery, but he was the lead negotiator. I don't know how you... I mean, you only, you only get appointed a lead negotiator by Mitch McConnell if you will do the bidding of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is not about to put... All right, all right, Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and Rand Paul, the three of you guys get together and bring J.D. Vance with you and let's let's have a real serious negotiation down there on any issue. That's never going to happen. It's, hey, Lindsey Graham, we're trying to negotiate, you know, foreign aid. Go ahead over there. Like, oh, two people who want to have a who can write the biggest check writing contest. That sounds interesting. Not really, not when it's your checkbook. But that's what you normally deal with. That's what you deal with when you deal with Mitch McConnell in the United States Senate. So that they came up with a god-awful, horrible deal should surprise no one. Now, maybe, just maybe Mitch McConnell is too clever and way more clever than anybody else realizes. And this was all a plan to say, okay, well, then we're not going to get this deal. Let's just pass Ukraine and Israel aid. Let's get the foreign aid part out of it. And we'll deal with the border separately, which means there'll be no border deal. But it's funny because this is everything Republicans wanted, according to the left. And the left is never magnanimous. The left is never a group of people to go, okay, fine, you can you can have this victory. Look at what happened in 2016. 
they had the victory. And what did they do? Within a week, the Clinton campaign had discovered the idea of a Russian collusion hoax using their paid-for steel dossier, and they went to their allies in the media, and they all said, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's run with this thing. Let's do it. And they still run with it to this day. They're still out there on MSNBC. You will hear about Russian collusion. Adam Schiff just last week was talking about how Vladimir Putin helped Donald Trump and Donald Trump's campaign worked with Vladimir Putin in 2016 to steal the 2016 election. See, the statute of limitation, yeah, well, it wasn't a crime to question election results until 2020, to put it that way, because if it were, every Democrat would be in prison where they belong, but that's beside the point. Um, they just flat out lie to you. And then they tell you the truth. It's amazing to me how, imagine if you were having an affair, right? And you're lying to your wife about, I mean, where were you, honey? I was, uh, I late, worked late. I worked late. I stayed late at work. You know, just can't do it. But you're honest with your kids. Where were you, dad? Oh, I got another family. They're a couple miles, a couple towns over. And, uh, you know. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I got to go see them. They think I got a job that uh, works weird hours. So, you know, like I just pretend to work late on those days or whatever. And, you know, I go see my other family. Don't worry. How do you think that would work out? It wouldn't work out very well because eventually, like almost immediately, unless there was a real serious dysfunction in your family, your kids would go to your wife and go, uh, Mom, I got something I got to tell you, right? Well, Democrats will say one thing for public consumption for the general population and another thing, often contradictory things, to their own base. Now, it's not, they don't usually do it one right after the other. But, uh, and it's all really about the framing, but they do send different messages. So don't look at what the leftists are trying to sell the general public. And I imagine at some point, I don't know, in the next couple of days, there will be a, because Chuck Schumer wants to vote on this thing on Wednesday. Why? Because the more time people have to read it and learn about it, the less likely they are to support it. Right now, they're all just sitting there and spewing this nonsense. So they uh, can claim that it's all good. And um, it is, it's not all good. It's garbage. It's crap. But pay attention to what they say to themselves. Chris Murphy was the lead Democrat negotiating this deal in the Senate with uh, Lankford, Connecticut, Chris Murphy. And as soon as the bill's text was released, he put out a little Twitter thread. And he kind of let the cat out of the bag. See, we're told, first of all, by the left, that the border is secure. The border issue, Alejandro Mayorkas was up there testifying before Congress. The border is not open. The border is secure. We're doing everything we can, blah, blah, blah. And every day for years, the goon squad at Morning Joe was regurgitating that the border isn't open. What are they talking about? What are they? They don't even know. These Republicans, they're just racist. That's all. And now suddenly there's a border dealing. Well, this will secure the border. Well, how do you secure a border that's already secure? Why would you bother? To secure a border that's already secure, that has been secure. 
The White House has told us, with the historic Karen Jean-Pierre, this is the most secure border in, in history. president has done more to secure the border than any president in history. Well, then why do we need to secure it? Then it's secure. What are, why aren't you out there screaming from the rooftop? There's nothing to secure. Everything's secure. Because they're lying. They were lying all along. So Chris Murphy goes to his Twitter account after this deal comes out, and he says, uh, minutes ago, the text of the bipartisan national security funding bill was released. It funds Ukraine, Israel, and humanitarian relief secures our border and reforms our asylum law. As the co-author of the immigration provisions, here's a thread on the key elements. Now, this is the guy who wrote it. This is the Democrat taking credit. He is taking credit. Now, Chris Murphy is safe electorally. He would very much like to take care of himself and make sure that you know he gets the glory that he believes he deserves from Democrats. There's not going to be a whole bunch of Republicans going, hey, I like that Chris Murphy guy. He's a big-time radical leftist, but you know what? What the hell? I'm going to totally and absolutely 100% vote for him. No, that's not going to work. So there's something else at play here. He's preaching to the choir. He wants the glory and the fundraising money from his own team says, first, it would be easy just to keep immigration and border policy as a political cudgel for another 40 years. But politics at its best is about finding bipartisan compromise on the toughest issue. It's not. Politics at its best is, is about doing what is best. And if the other side wants what is worst, you don't go, OK, well, we'll take half of what is worst and then we'll take half of what is best. We'll take we'll victories around the edges. As long as you keep fighting though, that's fine, but this is not politics at its best. It's like you can't negotiate with a terrorist. You sit across the table from Osama bin Laden and he starts with the the proposition I want you dead. Okay? Your position theoretically, I'd assume, unless you're Canadian, which we'll get to later, is I don't want to be dead. Like, well, where's the middle ground on that? We need to compromise. I will kill half of you. I'll chop off a couple of... You got to at least give me an arm. Where do you negotiate with that? If what one side is advocating for is thoroughly and completely destructive, how do you compromise with that? You can't compromise with that. Republicans should not compromise with Democrats, but... Democrats want to compromise with Republicans because they recognize that getting half of the destruction is still getting a lot of destruction. And their objective is destruction. So it's going to be easy, blah, blah, blah. But politics at its best, blah, blah, blah. That's what we're, we've done here. Here's a snapshot of what's in the bill. A quicker, fairer, Asylum process. No more 10-year wait. Claims processed in a non-detained, non-adversarial way in six months. Now, how many of you out there watching the flood of humanity across the southern border thought, we need to really speed up this process? I want, and, and unless it's the get them the hell out of here. The asylum rate, acceptance rate, will be astronomical because this empowers federal bureaucrats hired by Democrats to make the decision, the ultimate determination as to whether or not somebody could 
stay in the country, whether or not they have a legitimate asylum claim, I can tell you right now they don't. They don't. The second they got out of their country and into another country, that was where they were by law supposed to claim asylum. That they all go right through Mexico, unless they're Mexican. They all go right through Mexico to come to the United States is not is proof positive that they are not interested in having a legitimate asylum claim. Democrats know this. They know the law. They are ignoring the law because once you get them into the legal system, you can find all sorts of ways to keep them here or they can start having babies and that keeps them here or they just disappear, which is ultimately what they want. They don't really care. They need them here for redistricting purposes, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, they want to get them the vote. But honestly, the right to get or the pathway to citizenship is the least important thing. They want to set up a system where they can, they wanted to distribute these people across the country in a way that advantaged them best in the census. The brilliance of what DeSantis and Abbott did by bussing these people all over the country to places where Democrats already have absolute control was it screwed that up. It screwed that up. You ever think it was weird that up in Minneapolis there's a Somali community and in Maine, rural Maine, not that there's any unrural areas of Maine, but in rural Maine, there's a Somali community. Why do you think that is? You think they just said, you know what? I'm sick of having warm weather. What I really want to do is have waist deep snow for six months out of the year. Something I am completely unfamiliar with. No, they were placed there strategically by Democrats to be used in gerrymandering so yeah no it's it's a matter of well we've got to get rid of these we've got to get these people in here we've got to do it quickly quick i don't care about quickly you want it quickly there's the claim there's the quick you have no legitimate asylum claim that you claim to fear for your life i don't care if your neighbor wants to kill you that's not a, a, a legitimate argument for asylum it's not <laughs> Your life has to be threatened by your government, by government officials. That's what it is. If you ticked off somebody or slept with the neighbor's daughter and they want to come after you, that doesn't mean you get to come to the United States or really any country legally. That's a consequence of your bad decisions. So once you leave your town, if it's the town government that's after you, or you leave your country, when it's your country's government you allegedly fear, you're safe. Your asylum claim has to be filed there. So there is no need to adjudicate these things. Nobody from Africa who can hop on a plane and fly over to Mexico and march up the country can make a legitimate asylum claim. No one from Europe, no one from China, no one from anywhere in the Middle East, and no one really from anywhere but Mexico. Yet they are. You notice how they're coming in from Haiti through Mexico. You go, why is that? What's well, easier to get in? You go into Florida. Florida is not going to, Florida is not overrun with Border Patrol agents. There are Border Patrol agents, there's ICE Customs Enforcement there because there's smuggling, and there are some people who do take boats to get here. Mostly Cubans and Democrats want to send them back to uh, Castro 
Castro's prison island. I know he's dead, but you get it. Uh, They want to send them back as quickly as possible. They vote wrong. They tend to vote Republican. They've helped turn Florida red. Those people need to go. But if Florida catches you, they will cooperate with ICE. They will help facilitate your removal because you have bogus claims of asylum. They also won't make it easy for you to stay. You're not going to get welfare benefits, things of that nature. If you come in through Texas, you don't want to get caught by the Texas people. You don't want to get into their way. You want to get caught by the federal people because they will then facilitate your processing into the country. They'll give you a work permit. They'll give you a plane ticket or a bus ticket to go wherever you want to go. Or they'll just let you loose on the streets. They don't really care. You're in. Once you go through the processing there, you're in. If you get caught by Texas, it's a different story. That's why that two and a half miles of Texas park is secure. The uh, Murphy thread continues. A slightly higher asylum screening standard at the board. A slightly higher. Is that it? Is that going to do it? A slightly higher. Yes, I realize your roof is leaking. It's just pouring in. I could stop some of that. What do you mean you can stop some of it? I'll stop some of it. Look, it's pouring in like a gallon a minute. What do you want me to do? Stop it all? I'll stop uh, one cup per minute. You can thank me later. And here's a bill. Is that okay with anybody? It's a slightly higher asylum screen. Now, this is, of course, Chris Murphy saying this. I'm not sure I believe him because I shouldn't. You shouldn't believe anything a Democrat says. But it's interesting that he frames it that way. He's not trying to sell this to the public. In general, he's trying to sell this to Democrats. Remember, he's telling you, telling them what's actually in the bill. Don't worry; it sets higher standards, but not really higher standards. Don't worry about it. Let it go. That's fine. Also, no more waiting for work permits. Most asylum seekers can work immediately. Isn't that exactly what you want right now? Hey, that's what you care about. Let's get these people to work. They're getting debit cards. They're getting free lodging. And now they get the right to compete against you for jobs. Most importantly, they help keep wages low as inflation causes prices to increase they're bringing in millions of people who will keep wages low who does that benefit remember when democrats ran around all the time going oh republicans are the party of the rich republicans are the party of the rich how many poor people benefit from what i just told you none how many rich people benefit from everybody who owns a business they're hoping you don't think about it And being an active Democrat pretty much ensures that. But we can learn a lot by what they're saying to each other. Especially when somebody who's, you know, safe, like Chris Murphy. He'll tell more of the truth to his people than he will tell to us. And he'll tell more of the truth to his side than somebody like Lankford will to us. A useful idiot. Is there honestly anybody out there who's going, you know what, I tried to sleep last night, but I couldn't. Well, what was wrong? I was worried about how quickly it was illegal aliens entering the country, you know, would be able to work. 
Now, you know, I was hoping that it would be immediate, but it's it's taking a long time. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, there's a whole... What about all the ones that have been arrested, you know, selling fake IDs, committing robberies? There's reports of gangs of these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens who just want to come here to better themselves. In New York, including the, the gang of nine who beat up those police, tried to beat up those police officers, nine people and the police officers suffered scrapes and bruises and like... I don't know, man. I, I think the police should have probably defended themselves to the fullest extent of their ability. But that's just me. But uh, they rob in New York. They rob in New York. And then they sell the stuff. And they go down to Florida and spend the money. And, go, well, well, and then they go back to New York. These people have been here for months and months and months, and there's a, a nice little underground system for these illegal aliens to do this. And somebody asked the question, well, why do they... If they rob in New York and basically try to live in Miami, why don't they just rob Miami? And the answer is simple. In Miami, you go to jail. If, you, if you're caught stealing, you go to jail. In New York, if you're caught stealing, you go, you get fingerprinted, and then you just uh, go. They give them your name, you pinky swear that's your name, even though you probably just made it up. They take your fingerprints, but those can easily be burned off. Well, that's horrible. Nobody, These are people who are covering their bodies in prison tattoos, faces, necks, hands, all sorts of sensitive areas. You really think they're going to go, oh, but no, not my precious fingerprints. No. And then once you burn off the fingerprints, then you go, all right, well, they take the prints. Well, you burned off your fingerprints, but we'll... We'll take what you've burnt, and that'll be your finger. All right, you burn them again. Burn them. I don't know how burnt fingerprints work. Maybe your fingers don't produce oil after you've burned them off, and you, you don't leave prints anywhere, but you get the idea. They recognize that they're going to go to jail if they do their crimes down in Florida, but they want to live in Florida. These are people from warm climates. They don't want to live in New York. Plus, quite frankly, New York is a hellhole, large part because of what they've done to it. But it's a bigger hellhole because of what the liberal politicians have done. You used to be able to walk through New York City and you'd just be overwhelmed every once in a while with the smell of fresh urine on baking concrete in a hot summer day. Now it's a constant smell of weed, which is occasionally interrupted, or I wouldn't say interrupted, I would say augmented by the smell of urine on hot concrete there's nothing appealing about new york and if you are a, a victim of crime forget it you do have to love like they send this message i've said this before but it bears repeating they send this message crime crime is actually down crime is actually down, except for you know violent crime rape murder assault those sorts of things crime is up but other crime property crime theft Burglary, those are down. They're not really down. Nobody's bothering to report them because nothing comes of it. The police don't investigate. They've been instructed not to investigate. The prosecutors don't prosecute. So if somebody smashes your car window and steal, I don't even know if they steal stereos anymore, but if they stole your stereo or whatever, or stole something out of your car, you left your laptop in your car, and you uh, somebody smashed and stole it, What's the point 
in filing a report. You call your insurance company, your car insurance company. They, if they tell you you got to file a police report, maybe you file a police report. But a lot of this stuff is somebody just smashes your stuff and they steal something where it's like it's not worth filing a claim for. All right, my deductible's a thousand bucks. The laptop was five hundred dollars. I'm just going to get screwed. Uh, forget it. People used to, perhaps naively, file police reports because we thought that the police were on it, right? But realistically, unless the person who stole your property walks up to a police officer and suddenly they're overwhelmed with guilt and says, I stole this, I feel super bad, here's the address of the person I stole it from. That's the only way you're getting your property back. That's just how it works. You only get your car back if they're dumb enough to be driving it around still or they steal the tire, strip as much of it as possible and leave it on the side of the road. Those are your two options. And then you get to pay for the privilege of taking that to the impound lot or they'll send a collection agency after you. So people have stopped bothering calling the police. They see the news. Nine guys in the country illegally Try to beat the hell out of two police officers, kicking them, stomping on them on the ground, on surveillance video. Unambiguously, they did this and they are released without bail. What the hell is uh, somebody who stole your TV going to face? Nothing. Why bother? So that's how you get crime is actually down. Nobody's bothering to report crime except for murder, which, you know, they kind of have to report involuntarily. Rape, because they absolutely should. And God forbid if the Democrats get their way and they don't and they stop reporting that. And violent assault. A lot of people in the hospital go to the hospital or whatever. Or if you're held up by gunpoint, you tend to call the police. Otherwise, what's the damn point? So they run around and say, well, there's fewer crimes. Fewer crimes. There's not fewer crimes. There's fewer reporting of crimes because you people have ruined the faith in the justice system that people had. Some of it was falsely uh, there in the first place, but you've stripped it bare. Stripped it bare. Back to Chris Murphy. Because this deal, there's no, uh, there's, no, there's no level of the onion where you peel it and you go, okay, well, at least we got this in there. There's nothing. You really have to wonder, is James Lankford in the midst of oxygen deprivation? Or maybe he's a sacrificial lamb. It could be, again, Mitch McConnell could be playing 5D chess. Where you're like, you know what? I'm going to send Lankford in there. He was just reelected overwhelmingly in 2020. He's not going to have to face voters again until 2028. Right? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. 22, 4, 6, yeah, 28. So they'll, the anger will have dissipated by then. So he's the sacrificial lamb. He's safe anyway. I think, what did he squeak by with? Lankford won with 64% of the vote. 64.3% of the vote. Not really a serious uh, risk to him. He can lose 10 percentage points in six years, five years, four years now and still get uh, reelected if he wants to be reelected. So it's like, all right, we need somebody to do this. Take one for the team. Jimmy will do it. Let's get Mikey to do it. He'll do anything. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm open to that possibility. 
Mitch McConnell's been around a long time. He knows how to play this game. Because then he'll say, well, we tried. Let's just get the foreign policy stuff in there. Because literally, honestly, no deal is way better than this deal. This is worse. This, this doesn't give them citizenship. No, it, it gives them permanency. right? Permanency. That's the problem. Permanency. To this point, I think the American public, by and large, is so pissed off at all of these people and this process and the president and the way that this has gone, that they're not going to accept any of this crap. We're going to look at it and go, why are they allowed to stay here? Why are they still here? Why do you let them in? Of course, if Republicans were smart, and that's a big caveat, it's got an asterisk, it's got bold, it's underlined, it's italicized. If Republicans were smart, boy, the whole world would be different. But if Republicans were smart, they would be running ads about this right now. Not this particular piece of legislation, although some of it would be in there. But the concept, the border, the problems at the border, and what Democrats are actually doing. Everything I've played on this show, everything everybody's played on other shows and on TV is seen by a very narrow group of people who, by and large, agree already. They're on board. You need to get that stuff in front of the general public. You look at polling data and even people who aren't paying attention, even people who aren't dedicated, you know, talk show listeners and and Fox News viewers, look at the southern border and they go, this is a problem. We can't keep having these people flooding in here. So there's a receptive audience out there and they're the one they're being inundated with the the border is secure stuff from the administration. They're being inundated with NBC News telling them all is well. If they're coming to that conclusion on their own, imagine how what the conclusion they could draw if they had more information. How they would process more information. If Republicans were smart, which, again, I cannot stress enough, is not an issue. Uh, If they were smart, they would be educating these people on it now. The more you spend now counteracting the indoctrination that the left is trying to pull on people, that is not working, but reinforcing the reality these people are seeing with their own eyes, the less you have to spend later to convince them of this. The longer you wait, the more you have to spend, and you have to spend it frantically, and you'll more than likely come up with some stupid way to spend it, knowing Republicans, they'll they'll come up with really stupid ads, and there will be some idiot out there who genuinely comes up with things that are wildly offensive, and it'll be running for a city council somewhere in a town you never heard of, in a state you'd never visit, and every Republican will have to go and denounce them, and they'll be asked 10,000 times, what do you think about this ad? What do you think about that? This, this person who's running for this office said this thing, and this is offensive. How do you respond? I don't respond. I'm not that person. Why the hell do I have to answer to it? Because they're a Republican, And you're a Republican. Every Republican has to answer for what any Republican does or says. No Democrat even has to answer for themselves. So it would behoove Republicans if they would get out in front of this thing and start defining the issues and put the Democrats on defensive for once. It's a bridge too far. I understand. I had a family friend, a family friend over the weekend uh, stop by for dinner. And this person raises money for conservative organizations, big time conservative organizations. And I was telling them 
that this is you know the, the problem with the right. The left, they've got, you know, they don't have just George Soros. George Soros is the easy target, but there are the Sandlers. There are a lot of very, very wealthy liberals out there who look at a situation and go, I, I believe in this cause. Here's money. Here's money. Whereas on the right, they've got a lot of very wealthy people too who look at it and go, ah, how do I benefit from this? What do we get from it? I want this, I want that, I want the other thing. I'm not sure that this, this isn't an issue I really care about. And so they don't spend the money. They will spend the money. They will, quote, donate the money if there's something in it for them. There are a lot of groups on the right who, when it comes to immigration, get a little squishy. They get a little squishy and they pull the, well, we've got to do this, and they support compromise and things like that. Why? Because some of the big donors donate only because they support an open border. They like cheap labor. And so... They'll donate a lot of money to those causes. The Koch brothers come to mind. They're open borders. They were well. There's only one brother now, but they uh, they were in favor of open borders. They're very libertarian on this thing. No, you really like cheap labor. Okay, that's all. You can just admit it. There's shame in it, but you don't care. So what the hell? A lot of people, a lot of donors on the right will go. What do I get out of this? How do I, if I give you $10 million, what's the return on that investment? Whereas George Soros will go, uh, if I spend a million dollars, if I spend a million dollars on this district attorney's race that before had maybe seen each side raise $10,000, what do I get out of it? Well, almost a guaranteed victory. And you get to implement your social engineering policies on a local level. Or if you go to like attorneys general races in the state, you get to implement it on a state level. There's nobody on the right going, well, I'm going to make sure that I counter the millions of dollars that George Soros is putting into the attorneys general races across the country because I think he's doing damage to the country. They're not looking at that. They're going, what, what do I get out of having an attorney general? What do I get out of funding an attorney general race? If they win, will they take my meetings? What do I need a meeting with them for? I don't deal with states. They don't care about the principle. It's easy to justify dropping a bunch of money to get a governor elected if you need something. It's just easier. It's easy to justify getting a senator elected or getting members of Congress elected because when something's going on in Washington, you pick up the phone and your lobbyists can sit down with them pretty easily you need to sit down nobody wants to sit down with an attorney what do you do with an attorney general on your side you've got an army of lawyers yourselves see well the attorneys general are fighting on the cultural side of the war and it's a war it's a multi-front war they're fighting on the crime side well if your business is operating and you're worried about polluting or whatever you want to get, don't want to, it doesn't matter who, how many people are getting killed or how people that are robbed are being treated by the judicial system and the people charged. What do you care? George Soros wants those people out. You'd probably prefer, the rich conservatives would probably prefer the criminals be in prison 
Probably. Plenty of them actually don't. They're very libertarian when it comes to that, too. But some of them, no doubt, would prefer they be in prison. But there's no... Like, what's the point in spending money on that? When you can spend money on other things that will make sure your phone calls are answered, your legislative issues are addressed, your company gets favored treatment, that whatever gravy train you got rolling in from the state or federal government keeps on rolling. Meh, who cares if the population is being overrun by criminals and criminals are getting off easy? It doesn't matter. You don't care about that. That's not your thing. It's not that you're not principled. It's that your principles are very, very narrow. They apply only to your business interests or what personally interests you. When in reality, if you're strategically smart, which just because you made hundreds of millions or billions of dollars does not make you smart, you would recognize that victories for your cause or people who are associated with the party associated with your cause. I'm trying to think of the most innocuous way to phrase this. Those people who are associated with the uh, idea of your cause, them winning all the way down the line helps you. Why? Because if a conservative district attorney runs on a tough-on-crime platform with some funding to be able to spread it rather than, okay, we've got somebody here with $7,000 war chest versus somebody with a $2.3 million war chest provided by George Soros and his gang. If they're able to run, if you give them $5 million or $3 million or just a million dollars, they're able to get their message out there. I will prosecute criminals. You then begin to chip away at the wall that eventually will get to something you care about. But Republicans don't think long-term. Conservatives don't think long-term, sadly. Conservatives think more long-term than Republicans do. They think of the next election, the next bill, the next vote, the, whatever it is. History starts anew every day, just like it does with the left. So you end up with a situation where they go, I don't see the... What do I care if this prosecutor gets elected? Well, you, you don't. It doesn't impact you. You're not going to be driving through the south side of Chicago seeing people getting murdered and seeing the bodies pile up and seeing the, the human tragedy of the, the drug infestation and the lack of that the lack of prosecution leads to. You're not going to be impacted by that. You live in a mansion in Naperville. You're not going to be anywhere near that. But if you get people to change the direction for the prosecutor, the state's attorney or district attorney, whatever they happen to call it, then maybe you can get them to change their direction on some of the city council seats. Then maybe the mayor. Then maybe the members of the state legislature from that area. Then maybe the governor. Then maybe Congress. An acorn isn't a giant tree right away. It takes a little while to grow. And far too many of the donors on the right just look at, they want a tree. They want a tree. Where's my tree? How is this going to get me a tree tomorrow? You're not going to get a tree tomorrow. Soros is evil. He's not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is planting a bunch of trees that won't come to fruition for a while for him. He likely won't live long enough to see it, but he's not about that. He's about the cause. He's set. He's got money. He doesn't have to worry about it. 
We have people in the same situation on the right. They just don't act on it. We really need to find somebody to go over there and smack these people upside the head and get them involved where it matters and where it matters not just for them. So after giving illegal aliens work permits immediately, yay, work permits, who doesn't want that? We then get, uh, well, we get caught with the check. It's like going out with a friend who then goes, you go to, well, let's go to dinner. And they pick a really nice restaurant. Like, let's go to a really nice restaurant. Let's go to a great steakhouse. It's, you know, $89 tomahawks. And they go crazy. And then they go at the end and say, I forgot my wallet. You mind? And it's never I'll pay you back. It's I'll get you next time. Like, oh, so when we're going someplace and we're driving through a McDonald's, you'll go, I owe you from the last time. I'll get this one. No, that ain't how it works, pal. I'm sure they have dishes that need to be done. Or you they'll take Venmo or something, right? You can work this stuff out all on your own. They don't need me to do it. But that's kind of how this always works. You get to work right away. Oh, goody. That's what I was really worried about. Not the increase in crime, not the increase in drug trafficking and gang violence, but that they get working there. Because, you know, anybody who's willing to beat the crap out of they really don't want to beat the crap out of people. They don't really want to sell drugs and work in a cash-only industry. They don't want to kick, kick police in the head. What they really want to do is start at an entry-level position at some fast food restaurant somewhere. That's what they really want. But we've denied them that. So they turn to a life of violent crime. How dumb do you have to be to believe that? You have to be Democrat dumb, which is a level of dumb that's just this side of creating a black hole. Anyway, Chris Murphy continues, a brand new right. Now, this is his words. And listen to the word choice that he did. He's the co-author, really probably the author, of this piece of legislation in regards to the immigration part. It says, a brand new right. Brand new, congratulate. Look at it. I got something in my pocket here. What is it? It's a brand new right. A brand new right to legal representation for all immigrants. Hmm. A brand new right for all immigrants to get lawyers? To have a passionate advocate on their behalf, make as we all know, lawyers, if there's one group of people that are absolutely bound by truth-telling and known for it, why, it's lawyers, right? They would never in a million years stretch the truth in any way, shape, or form that might make things uncomfortable. Would they? They wouldn't lie for their client? Never. Especially not immigration lawyers, which tend to be liberal activists. They would never stretch the truth or advise their, their clients to lie. They'd just hammer those government checks and keep hammering those government checks and keep hammering those government checks. My God. Realist, all right, well, I haven't gotten to the government checks part. It continues. Brand new right to legal representation for all immigrants. Remember when Trump denied lawyers to victims of the Muslim ban? There's no Muslim ban unless North Korea converted to Islam really quickly and secretly. It was no Muslim ban. 
never again, he says, never again, invoking language usually reserved by decent human beings about the Holocaust. Uh, Chris Murphy's like, never again, never again. A little bit different. And the first ever government paid for lawyers for young unaccompanied minors. A long-standing injustice righted. Yeah, government paid. What's another way to put government paid? Because government, where does government make its money from? Where does it, they, they have like a t-shirt shop at the Smithsonian. Maybe that's where they're getting the money from. The little Lego sets of the space shuttle, the small scale ones that are like 30 bucks. That must be where they're getting the money. No, wait. They're getting the money from us. They're getting the money from our paychecks. Yes, that's right. Democrats and any Republican trying to extol the virtues of this piece of excrement legislation are sitting there saying we, the taxpayers, should pay for the attorneys for illegal aliens. Now, it says a brand new right to legal representation for all immigrants. But he says there's only a first ever government paid for for young unaccompanied minors. Well, wait a second. I have questions, Senator Murphy. Where do, if they have a right, a right to an attorney, to legal representation, then who's going to foot the bill for that for the uh, military age guys? Not the 10-year-old that was just death marched 2,000 miles by their god-awful parents. And, you know, realistically, the second a minor crosses the southern border, there should be social workers there separating them from whatever adult they're with pretending to be their family. And a DNA test should be administered immediately to find out whether or not they are. If they are, well, actually, either way, those adults should be prosecuted for child abuse and the children should never see another family member as long as they live. It's child abuse. Oh, no, no, what are you talking about? Well, isn't it weird that we're willing to bend over backwards, meaning our government, meaning Democrats, are willing to bend over backwards for anybody who marches their kid up all of Mexico and from God knows where, further down, two, 3,000 miles, whatever it ends up being, where they are in the uh, vicinity of human traffickers, they're in the vicinity of people who's, many of whom culturally don't necessarily respect age, they certainly don't respect women. They certainly don't respect girls. They certainly don't respect the word no. There's a lot of sexual abuse going on of boys and girls along this uh, baton non-death march. And at the end of it, we're supposed to go, oh, we've got to give them special rights. We've got to, no, we need to get them help. We need to get them away from any adult that had anything to do with that. Because either one adult is here or both adults' parents are here and they send for little junior to come up or they send little junior up to live with family members and they just go, don't worry about it. It's going to be 2,000 miles. It's going to be two months of absolute hell. If you live through it, though, you will get to be uh, illiterate in a country you can't communicate with anybody. So it'll be great. Good for you. Good luck. Good luck, junior. No, that's child abuse. If you set out, you lived in, uh, in Maryland and you said, you know what? I want to send you to grandma and grandpa's house. Where's grandma and grandpa? Live? They live in uh, Denver, Colorado. Oh, yeah, we're going to march you. We're not going to buy you a plane ticket. We're not going to buy you a train ticket. I don't know if you get there by train. I'm not even going to buy you a god-awful bus ticket that'll take, you know, 
five weeks to go what you could probably drive in like three days. Uh, no, we're going to just point you. Go west, young man. Here's a couple of pairs of shoes, a backpack, a coat, should you get into any sort of cold area, and just go. But don't worry, there's a whole bunch of other people going in that direction, too. So just march with them. I'm sure they'll take care of you. If you have any questions, ask the guy leering at you for the last 100 miles if you can help you with something. What would happen? That would be child abuse. You would lose your child if you marched your kid 2,000 miles. And you should lose your child. Hell, in Silver Spring, Maryland, a few years ago, a family nearly lost their children because they were free-range parents. They sent their kid to a park a mile away. They didn't actually send their kid. They let their kids go to a park a mile away. They were like five and six or five and four or whatever. They're way too young for my mind to be doing that. But they ain't my kids. It's not abuse. It's crazy. I kind of did that. I, you know, as soon as I learned to ride a bike, I was gone. As soon as I learned to ride a bike, it's like down the driveway, to the right or to the left, around the corner. All my friends lived on one street over, gone. That was it. I don't know if I was five necessarily, but I was pretty young. I'd never in a million years let my kids do that now. But that's just how it is. I'm a sexist. They're I'm also going through puberty. I'm a sexist. They are girls. I was a boy. But it is insane that you would march your kids. Imagine sending your kids on a three-mile walk, unsupervised. You would get in trouble. You would lose custody of your children. But no, here in the United States, we're like, we will spare no expense to hunt down whatever relative your person who sent you is pretending to have here in the United States. Really? Well... Derek, are you heartless? Yeah, kind of. But honestly, if these people were here legally, they could go down and get Junior and fly up. They could fly Junior up and you'd meet him at the airport. There are all sorts of ways to get to this country legally because if you've got eight to ten grand to pay to a drug cartel, you probably have the seven or eight hundred dollars for a plane ticket. I'm just saying. Just saying. There's a reason for this. And, oh, by the way, a whole bunch of these uh, children are essentially owned by the cartels or leased to the cartels because the best way to get across the border is to have a kid with you because then you're a family and you can't detain children in a holding facility. And so you have to, in the, still under this bill, you get released into the country. It's catch and release families. So you grab a kid. What's your name? Well, here's my name. You call me daddy. I'll call you junior, whatever. We'll march across the border. Oh, no, this is my son. Well, we can't hold you. Is your son? Totally. They're not going to do DNA tests, with they, which they could do, but they won't. And they say, okay, well, here's your work permit. Here's your court date some point in the future. Pinky swear you'll come back. And now you and your child, you go off into the United States and be, be good. Oh, absolutely. I'll totally be good. And then you go a few miles away. You dump the kid off to the cartels at the prearranged meeting place. They ship him back across the border. The kid comes across again. In another sector, they don't immediately go to the same place. Although the border guards are so overwhelmed, they probably wouldn't notice the same kid. There's no point in risking that. 
That's what they're doing. And don't worry, we're going to pay for the legal rights for them. Well, who's going to pay for the rest of them? Well, the bill itself provides hundreds of millions of dollars to NGOs, non-governmental agencies, organizations, left-wing activist organizations that pay for legal representation for these sweet, sweet, nourishing, illegal aliens. Now, Chris Murphy says there's a right to legal representation. We don't provide, allegedly, directly in this bill, the funding for that legal representation. We provide that money to third parties who will then provide that legal representation. We pay for the kids' legal representation. And guess what happens? Um, that racks up a lot of money. That costs a lot of money. The federal government spends that money. Let's just say there's $100 million for lawyers in this bill to represent the sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens, either directly or indirectly. Well, that's $100 million of our dollars. And then $10 million of that gets given back in a kickback form to Democrats. Trial lawyers, are one of them and labor unions, are the biggest funders of the Democratic Party. So they're getting more money, and they all right, 10% for the big guy. They love that number. They then end up funding their own reelection with our money, with our credit cards, actually, because we're broke. We don't have any money. This just borrows more money. You begin to see how this whole grift thing works, don't you? It's a right. They appeal to It's a right. They need a lawyer. Hmm. They need a lawyer. Who's going to... Who's going to monitor those lawyers to make sure that they are actually doing the work? Who's going to, why are we paying for the lawyers? You get a public defender if you can't afford an attorney in this country. And those people are half asleep, law school sort of also rants. And uh, these people get high-priced attorneys because it's really easy to get a high-priced attorney when you're not paying the price. And they call it an injustice. And then comes the kicker. Chris Murphy, a requirement, the president, uh, the president to funnel asylum claims to the land ports of entry when more than 5,000 people cross a day. Read that sentence again, because we were told that what? We should shut down the border. If the crossings reach 5,000 a day, we're going to shut down the border. Well, that's not what that language says. It's not at all what that language says. A requirement the president to funnel, he's, this is, I'm reading it, if it sounds like a broken English, that's because Chris Murphy's an idiot, and I'm reading exactly as he wrote it. A requirement, the president to funnel asylum claims to the land ports of entry when more than 5,000 people cross a day. Meaning if they come across 5,000 illegal aliens a day, sneaking into the country, swimming across the Rio Grande. And I'm not sure how they're going to keep a running total because a day is a 24-hour period, starts at midnight, ends at midnight. Um, I'm not sure who's going to keep that running total so that you know by noon, 5,000 people do it. So they go, oh, wait, stop. Everybody's got to go to a point of entry, to a, a legal crossing. But all you're doing, all that line says is they are going to redirect the same flow of illegals to a bridge rather than a river. We wouldn't want them to get wet, would we? We wouldn't want that. It doesn't do anything to stem the tide. 
Because the next sentence, Chris Murphy writes, is the border never closes. The border never closes. But we were told that the president closes the border. President has to close. If it reaches 5,000 a day, of course, it's on average over the course of seven days. And again, whoever has the calculator that day gets to control the world. But we were told that that shuts down the border. But the border never shuts down. Joe Biden's running around the country saying, I need the power to shut the border down. This doesn't do that. It's weird. This doesn't do that. Yet that's what we're told it does. The guy who wrote it, the border never closes, but claims must be processed at the ports. Oh, okay. So where you get your visitor debit card and work permit doesn't really matter. The concept is the problem. It's not geography. You walked across a bridge to enter the country on a bogus asylum claim doesn't change the fact that you're entering the country or trying to on a bogus asylum claim. This allows, he writes, for a more orderly, humane asylum processing system. It seems like the only difference is people don't have to swim. Don't care how orderly or humane it is. I care how corrupt it is. That's the problem. That it is. That it is violating the letter of the law. International law. You claim asylum in the first safe country you come to. That would be Mexico for everybody entering through Mexico who isn't Mexican. They don't care. It doesn't matter. I'd say they're lying, but at this point, it's beyond lying. It's just so brazen. They don't give a damn. They're not even trying anymore. This whole thing's a disaster, and there's nothing in this bill about getting rid of the people who are in here, about deporting the people who are in here. They know that these claims are bogus. They know that their claims are bogus. Nothing in it about deporting people. Nothing in it about getting rid of people that are, have broken into the country illegally. It's just straight-up fraud. But don't worry, we get to pay for it. It's all good. We get to make sure that everybody has a right to a lawyer, that everybody has a this and everybody has a that. Really doesn't, shouldn't shock anybody. It also locks the funding for left-wing organizations through the 2029 budget. So it basically burns into law money to left-wing organizations, left-wing non-governmental agencies, non-governmental organizations. Oh, you get to do this. You get this. You get that. You get the other thing. You, the money keeps on rolling. It would take an act of Congress to stop it, to roll it back. What do you think the odds of an act of Congress coming from a even a Republican-controlled Congress? Nothing? None? Zero? Pretty much, that's it. <laughs> that would be your options. That would be your chance. Zero. Nothing. $933 million directed to FEMA and non-governmental agencies and municipalities. They're throwing our money at the other, throwing our great grandkids' money at the problem. There's a little bit of money. I think it's like 100 and 
it's like a couple million. It's not much uh, for a border wall. They want to claim that as a victory. And that's it. It's a Democrat wish list. Says, but important checks, this is Chris Murphy again, important checks on that power, meaning the power, the humane power to do a humane immigration system. Important checks on that power. It can only be used for a limited number of days per year. It sunsets in three years. Emergency cases that show up in between the ports still need to be accepted. The ports must process a minimum of 1,400 claims per day. Oh, well, that's, so what? So what? Honest to God, it sets up, by the way, it sets up the D.C. Circuit Court as the court that oversees issues down at the border. Now, that wasn't normally the case. The D.C. Circuit Court is one of the most liberal, most frequently overturned circuit courts in the country. Of course, of course, they move that jurisdiction to there. What Republican in their right mind would agree to this? It's $118 billion bill. $60 billion goes to Ukraine. Right off the top. sixty More than half of this bill. It's so damned important. We care so deeply about immigration. But half, more than half the money goes to Ukraine. Huh. $14 billion to Israel. And $20 billion for border security. Money just keeps rolling around. You can tell a lot. They tell you. It's a border security bill. It's called something like the border security. It has very little to do with border security. $20 billion for border security, even though it's not border security, if you just take their word for it, use their labels, $20 billion out of $118 billion? That's weird. The Inflation Reduction Act, remember that? Oh, it's the Inflation Reduction Act. Oh, what does it do to fight inflation? Why, it spends a trillion dollars on liberal wish lists. Huh? Yeah, no, it, uh, <laughs> that's what it does. By the way, it gives a raise to uh, Border Patrol asylum officers. They get a raise in this. Do you get a raise? I mean, when you're spending people's money, why the hell not? Why not go crazy? Go nuts. This is uh, Title IV and the thing. Department of Health and Human Services, Administration for Children and Families, Refugee and Entrance Assistance. For an additional amount uh, for refugee entrant assistance, $2.334 billion to remain available until September 30th, 2025. For refugees and entrance assistance activities authorized by Section 414, of the Immigration and Nationality Act and Section 501 of the Refugee Education Assistance Acts of 1980, provided that amounts made available under this heading in this act may be used for grants or contracts with qualified organizations, including nonprofit entities, to provide culturally and linguistically appropriate services, including wraparound services, housing assistance, medical assistance, legal assistance, and case management assistance. That is right there in the legislation. $2.3 billion Democrats giving to Democrat organizations to pay for the housing, the food, whatever they need for these sweet, sweet, nourishing 
illegal aliens. I thought, again, they were a boom to the economy. They were in no way a drag on the economy. They were the key to economic growth in this country. It's weird how suddenly they need more and more and more and more money. Huh? That's weird. It's almost like they're lying to us, ladies and gentlemen. Or as my friend Sean Davis over there at uh, The Federalist put it, your government hates you and wants to replace you. But until that happens, it's going to steal every last dime from you it can. Yeah. But in a bipartisan way, so we got that going for us. This whole thing's a disaster, and there's nothing in this bill about getting rid of the people who are in here, about deporting the people who are in here. They know that these claims are bogus. They know that their claims are bogus. Nothing in it about deporting people. Nothing in it about getting rid of people that have broken into the country illegally. It's just straight-up fraud. But don't worry, we get to pay for it. It's all good. We get to make sure that everybody has a right to a lawyer, that everybody has a this and everybody has a that. Really doesn't, shouldn't shock anybody. It also locks the funding for left-wing organizations through the 2029 budget. So it basically burns into law money to left-wing organizations, left-wing non-governmental agencies, non-governmental organizations. Oh, you get to do this. You get this. You get that. You get the other thing. You, the money keeps on rolling. It would take an act of Congress to stop it, to roll it back. What do you think the odds of an act of Congress coming from a even a Republican-controlled Congress? Nothing? None? Zero? Pretty much, that's it. <laughs> that would be your options. That would be your chance. Zero. Nothing. $933 million directed to FEMA and non-governmental agencies and municipalities. They're throwing our money, at, no, they're throwing our great-grandkids' money at the problem. There's a little bit of money. I think it's like a hundred and it's like a couple million. It's not much uh, for a border wall. They want to claim that as a victory. And that's it. It's a Democrat wish list. Says, but important checks, this is Chris Murphy again, important checks on that power, meaning the power, the humane power to do a humane immigration system, important checks on that power. It can only be used for a limited number of days per year. It sunsets in three years. Emergency cases that show up in between the ports still need to be accepted. The ports must process a minimum of 1,400 claims per day. Oh, well, that's, so what? So what? Honest to God, it sets up, by the way, it sets up the D.C. Circuit Court as the court that oversees issues down at the border. Now, that wasn't normally the case. The D.C. Circuit Court is one of the most liberal, most frequently overturned circuit courts in the country. Of course, of course, they move that jurisdiction to there. What Republican in their right mind would agree to this? 
what it's 118 billion dollar bill 60 billion goes to ukraine right off the top 60 more than half of this bill it's so damned important and we care so deeply about immigration but half more than half the money goes to ukraine huh 14 billion to israel and 20 billion for border security Money just keeps rolling around. You can tell a lot. They tell you it's a border security bill. It's called something like the border security. Has very little to do with border security. Twenty billion for border security, even though it's not border security. If you just take their word for it, use their labels. Twenty billion out of one hundred eighteen billion dollars. That's weird. The Inflation Reduction Act. Remember that? Oh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Oh, what does it do to fight inflation? Why, it spends a trillion dollars on liberal wish lists. Huh? Yeah, no, it, uh, <laughs> that's what it does. By the way, it gives a raise to uh, Border Patrol asylum officers. They get a raise in this. Do you get a raise? I mean, when you're spending people's money, why the hell not? Why not go crazy? Go nuts. This is uh, Title IV in the thing. Department of Health and Human Services, Administration for Children and Families, Refugee and Entrance Assistance. For an additional amount uh, for refugee entrant assistance, $2.334 billion to remain available until September 30th, 2025 for refugees and entrance assistance activities authorized by Section 414 of the Immigration and Nationality Act and Section 501 of the Refugee Education Assistance Acts of 1980, provided that amounts made available under this heading in this act may be used for grants or contracts with qualified organizations, including nonprofit entities, to provide culturally and linguistically appropriate services, including wraparound services, housing assistance, medical assistance, legal assistance, and case management assistance. That is right there in the legislation. $2.3 billion Democrats giving to Democrat organizations to pay for the housing, the food, the whatever they need for these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens. I thought, again, they were a boom to the economy. They were in no way a drag on the economy. They were the key to economic growth in this country. It's weird how suddenly they need more and more and more and more money. Huh? That's weird. It's almost like they're lying to us, ladies and gentlemen. Or as my friend Sean Davis over there at uh, the Federalist put it, your government hates you and wants to replace you. But until that happens, it's going to steal every last dime from you it can. Yeah, but in a bipartisan way. So we got that going for us. That is all you need to know about this legislation. But let me caveat that with one change one little asterisk here the gang over at morning joe is exceedingly happy in lecturing republic they're trying to hard sell on republicans which is kind of funny because there's no republicans watching there's no why nobody's watching morning joe they're too they're doing an audit they're trying to appeal to joe biden and they're trying to pretend that they're trying to sell this to republicans what they'll ultimately do is start turning and start complaining about this bill in an attempt to sell it to republicans <laughs> to try and convince to try and convince 
Republicans to vote for it. It won't, won't work. I don't, I, this might get out of the Senate. There are probably, what do they need? Nine Republican squishes to go along with it to get to 60 votes to break a filibuster. The Murkowskis and that, the Col- Susan Collinses, the Langford, Mitch McConnell, they'll vote for it. The sooner this fails, though, and I think if this, well, maybe McConnell will vote for it because he's got to keep up appearances if McConnell's playing 4D chess. Because then he'll be ready right there with the 4 and 8 thing, which is all he really cares about. Mitch McConnell doesn't give it. Look, the fabulously wealthy don't have to worry about what happens at the border. The overloading of the workforce and the artificial keeping of wages down. It doesn't matter to somebody rich like these politicians. They don't care. They're insulated from it. There's no way that any illegal alien is going to move into the neighborhood of most of these members of Congress. They're not going to set up any of this, you know, high-density housing around where these politicians live. Not in any way that could impact property values. They live in gated communities. They live in large gated communities where the gates are far away. They don't give a damn about that. Their lives are largely unaffected by it. They want something else. They're going to fight for something else. If this is what Mitch McConnell has to do in order to get his foreign aid, then this is what Mitch McConnell's going to do in order to get his foreign aid. It's that simple. The problem is we all get screwed in the process. We keep getting screwed in the process. But Democrats are going to become more and more desperate to sell this thing, and they're going to realize that praising it on Morning Joe is not the way to do it. Praising it on MSNBC is not the way to do it. So they're going to have to start grousing about it a little bit. Not too much. They don't want to turn off their own voters. But they will talk about expect the lack of a pathway to citizenship, which was never supposed to be a part of this deal, securing the border. That will be a big, big deal, just like they did with a lack of a public option in Obamacare. They were taking steps in the direction. That's all they cared about. They're not stupid. They're evil. I want to shift gears. I don't want to just sit here and make this entire show about the border. We'll know more tomorrow. We'll have more. We'll have the reactions of people, and I'm sure there'll be ridiculous quotes and ridiculous claims and absurd things, and you name it. It, I suspect over the course of the week, the tone of Morning Joe will change from this morning where they're smugly going, these Republicans, they support this, don't they? God, Joe is such a smug jackass. These Republicans should support this. This is everything they wanted. No, it's not. No, it's not. But, Joe, you would know that. You used to be a Republican. Now you're Mika's second husband, and she's your third wife, and Who knows what comes next there. But I want to talk about South Carolina for a second because this is kind of funny. There was a big old primary down in South Carolina over the weekend. And it uh, was on the Democratic side. The Republican one doesn't come up for another. I think this week is Nevada. And then after that, it is South Carolina for Republicans. But Joe Biden won. Joe Biden won, and they're sitting there and they're telling you, boy, howdy, Joe Biden is wildly popular. Joe Biden won, he swept, he clobbered Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips. Okay, you beat Oprah's guru, congratulations. But Dean Phillips didn't really run in South Carolina. He was down there, but he spent most of his time focusing 
in New Hampshire, where he got 20 percent of the vote. And the Democrats rightly said, yeah, but uh, Joe Biden didn't run in New Hampshire. Right. Joe Biden didn't run in New Hampshire because Joe Biden had lost and gotten his ass kicked in New Hampshire every time he's ever run for president, including in 2020 when he came in fifth. So he didn't want to go back to New Hampshire because the Democrats up there don't like Joe Biden, except for when the general election comes. But so he goes down to South Carolina and they thought black voters will save Joe Biden. That was the thinking. That was why the DNC changed their rules to make North Carolina go first. That's why there was no Ohio or Iowa caucus for the Democrats. They made South Carolina go first so that they could do exactly what they're doing right now, going, Joe Biden won 96.2% of the vote in South Carolina. 96.2% of the vote. Well, that's not bad considering they're basically running unopposed with the entirety of the Democratic Party infrastructure down there going on his behalf. Marianne Williamson is just one crazy lady with a pocket full of crystals, and yet she managed to pull in 2.1% of the vote. Dean Phillips is a member of Congress that nobody's ever heard of, and he got 1.7% of the vote. Okay, they got their butts handed to them. Still not bad, more votes than I got, but... They're out there running around saying, Joe Biden, he won all 55 delegates up there in down there in South Carolina. He was just wonderful. And a guy called Michael Tyler, who is Biden's campaign uh, director of communications or on the communications team, at, at least he got he can't be the director of communications because he was forced to be on MSNBC on Saturday night. When nobody's watching. Nobody's watching most of the time. But on Saturday night, are you kidding me? Even liberals have better things to do. Especially when it's like a foregone conclusion that Joe Biden is going to win in South Carolina. Why would anybody? What do you want to do this weekend, honey? Nothing. Are you insane? I'm going to be sitting up all night on Saturday watching the returns roll in from South Carolina. They didn't even bother to bring in the AT. They didn't even make Rachel Maddow or Joy Reid or... Larry O'Donnell work on the weekend. They're like, you don't have to show up. Should we be here? Should it? No, come on. We are, unless you want to, you can record your show on Friday and we'll air it on Saturday if you want, where uh, you pretend you're live because we already know what's going to happen. So they had their B team in covering the election and they bring on, I assume the B team and communications director, but they had a message. They had a message. Joe Biden is exciting Democrats. Donald Trump is not exciting Republicans. That's something I've talked about. There needs to be a little bit more enthusiasm if Trump, when Trump wins, wins the nomination. They're going to have to find a way to ramp up some of the enthusiasm, and that can't be just preaching to the choir. They've got to expand the choir. But to then say that they're running around going, well, if you look at the Iowa caucuses, and if you look at the New Hampshire primary, both of which... Donald Trump won handily. The turnout was very low. The turnout was very, very low. It shows a lack of enthusiasm. And then when the Democrats hold their first event, they say, look at the enthusiasm. Look at 96% of Democrats. Blah, blah. You have an uncontested primary, essentially, where the party faithful in a party machine, a state picked by the party 
for just this very purpose, turns out 96% of the vote for the incumbent, you damn well better be able to turn out 96% of the vote in the incumbent when you've got two people running with no funding whatsoever against them. Otherwise, you're absolutely screwed, especially when you pick the state. If you want to challenge somebody to golf and you say, well, let's go on my home course, you you have an advantage. Otherwise, you're an idiot. Like, I'm going to play this course. I'm going to challenge you $100,000 around a golf. We're going to play a course that you're very familiar with that I've never even driven past. Huh? That'd be pretty stupid. So I want you to listen to good old Michael Tyler on MSNBC. Make this case, and then I'll tell you why what I always say is true is true yet again. You control the unit of measure. You control everything. Here is Biden's campaign communications director, Michael Tyler. How do you read the vote uh, turnout tonight between enthusiasm for the Biden campaign and his reelection versus not? Well, yeah, I'd start by comparing this to the first Republican contest uh, in Iowa. You had about 110,000 folks turn out for the Iowa caucuses, an incredibly competitive uh, uh, election with multiple candidates. Uh, here in South Carolina tonight, you'll have around 100,000 people turn out for the president because they appreciate uh, everything that he has done over the course of the, his first term. And they're excited about the future and they're geared up and understand the sense of urgency for the general election ahead. They're very excited about things. See, there was not that many people turning out. For Donald Trump in Iowa, which is essentially, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump is going to win. But he's not wrong. There's a definite drop-off in turnout in Iowa. It's a definite drop-off. For example, Donald Trump won 51% of the vote in Iowa with 56,260 votes. Ted Cruz won in Iowa in 2016 with 27.6%, and he had 51,666 votes. So you see that the winning percentage that got 51% of the vote, the raw total is roughly what was 27% of the vote in 2016. You can make of that all you want. I'm not going to sit here and argue anything about that. I just want to give you the... uh, The results, the the numbers, so you can draw your own conclusions. But if you're going to try and make a case out of it, well, there's more enthusiasm for our guy than their guy. Well, Donald Trump in 2000 won Iowa. He was opposed by Joe Walsh, who got 1%, 1 1.1%, and former Massachusetts Governor William Weld, who got 1.3%. Donald Trump won Iowa with 97.1% of the vote. Overwhelming. That's the more apt analogy, if you're being honest, with Joe Biden. But they're not being honest. They're comparing Iowa this year, where there are a couple of viable candidates not necessarily going to win. They were never really going to, they, except for extraordinary circumstances, the odds of them winning were very slim. But it's a hell of a lot better and more realistic to say it's a contested primary with serious candidates rather than a member of Congress I'd never heard of before and Oprah's guru. They don't want to bring up Iowa 2020 because that's just not how they roll. That's just not how they work. That's not what they do. That's not who they are. You're not dealing with honest brokers here.
So let's look at the Democratic side from the same way that they're looking at the Republican side, shall we? Like I say, Joe Biden got 97 or 90, well, 96.2% of the vote. And he did get a lot of votes compared to the numbers in Iowa. Now, you have to remember that Iowa has 2 million, I think it is, 2 or 3 million fewer people than South Carolina. So again, you leave that kind of out of the equation. Because why? Because it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. Population of South Carolina, 5.1 million. Population of Iowa, I believe, let's see, Iowa... 3.1 million. So 2 million different, 2 million more people. You think that might have something to do with it? Caucus versus primary. Primary, you go up, you vote, you leave. Caucus, you go, you listen to speeches, you argue, you vote, you stand in a corner, and then you say, anybody want to change the vote? Let's listen to more. It can take a very long time. It's a pain in the butt. It was also, as we were told repeatedly, minus 30 degrees outside in Iowa on that day. So again, you're going to depress turnout. Not that there was going to be that much turnout for what was essentially a foregone conclusion. But let's just look at what happened last time versus what happened this time. If you're talking about turnout, turnout, not the number of votes, although you can look at that too, but Joe Biden won with 96.2% of the vote, mind you. He had 126,321 votes. Not the sniff at. Not the sniff at. But he won in 2020 with 48.6% of the vote, less than 50% of the vote, and about double the number of votes. He won in 2020 with 262,336 votes. See that difference? Now, it's weird because the guy on MSNBC is not making that case. He's not pointing out that, hey, we had significant drop off in turnout, that we've got, you know, just a sliver of turnout compared to that. Actually, Joe Biden got less than half the number of votes he got last time. Last time he got 262,000. This time he got 126,000. You'd multiply 126,321 votes by two, you get 252,642 votes. In 2020, Joe Biden got 262,336 votes. So less than half the number of votes he got. He got a higher percentage. It went from 48.6 to 96.2. But again, if you just report percentages, well, you only report percentages because you want to manipulate the people that you are talking to. If you control the unit of measure, you control everything. That's the message. Bernie Sanders got 106,605 votes in 2020, 19.8% of the vote. It's only 20,000 fewer than Joe Biden got this time around. So you want to talk about an enthusiasm gap. An enthusiasm gap exists on the left. Two, if you're going to argue that there's an enthusiasm gap on the right. You shouldn't argue that there's an enthusiasm gap anywhere because there's really nothing that's been all that super competitive yet. Nothing that's really been all that concerning. 
Nothing that, oh, you really got to make sure you drag us across the finish line. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do the other thing. If you do have an incumbent president, he damn well better win his primaries. And you have sort of an incumbent style president who is winning his primaries in a, you know, a growing percentage. We'll see what he's going to clobber her in Nevada because she's not even on the ballot. He's already won Nevada. He doesn't have to campaign in Nevada. We'll see what happens in South Carolina. But I just want to point out that these people on the left are choosing everything they do and say very carefully. They're not out there flying by the seat of their pants. They recognize that they have to manipulate their audience. And they're doing it. And they're trying to manipulate everybody. I'm not going to be able to counter everybody. And, you know, if you want to end up, if you say, well, I don't care, whatever. All I want is for people to have the most information possible. They can draw their own conclusions from it. I think the conclusions to be drawn from this are pretty clear. You've got the guy right there. There's an enthusiasm gap. Those Republicans aren't super excited about Joe Biden. Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, what about the the Democrats? No, we've got to look. Joe Biden won 96% of the vote. He won 96% of the vote of turnout that was down two-thirds. Okay, 96% of a vote that would turn out was down two thirds. If they're super excited, if he's the only game in town and the party and the campaign are expressly fighting for what? They're expressly fighting to show that there is enthusiasm for grandpa poops himself, for grandpa Badfinger. They're desperately out there saying, look, we the Republicans are divided, but Democrats are united. Well, you can make the case that Democrats are united if you just look at percentages. You cannot make, you can make the case that even Democrats are excited if you just look at the percentages. Hell, 96% of the vote is huge for any party, for anybody. But if you look at the raw numbers, you go, wait a second. Turnout is way down. Turnout is way, way down. Because overall, because people forget, Tom Steyer was running and Buttigieg and Warren were still in the race. So let's see, we got 262, 336, plus 106, 605, plus 61, 140, plus Buttigieg got 44,217, plus uh elizabeth warren got 38,120 that equals there were at least and there are probably minor candidates and crazy write-ins and things like that that means that there were at least 512,418 votes cast in the 2020 primary in south carolina more than half a million votes cast in south carolina in 2020 joe biden got 96 Point two percent of the vote with 126,321 votes. Marianne Williamson got 2,726 votes and Dean Phillips got uh, 2,339 votes. Less than just about 131,000 votes. We'll call it 131,000. We'll do a nice round number. Uh, boosh. It is a third of the voters showed up. 
from the last time, and they're going to lecture you. You got to worry, Republicans, not enthusiastic about Donald Trump. Democrats are dead about Joe Biden, dead about it. This was, you know, Donald Trump was the campaign in Iowa and New Hampshire. The entire Democratic machine was going in South Carolina and they could pull maybe a third of their voters to show up to pull the lever for him. There's an enthusiasm problem out there. It's not just on the Republican side and it's not even mainly on the Republican side. They're not going to tell you that, but that's the truth. They're not going to tell you the truth ever. As we wrap it up for today, a couple, maybe maybe one other thing here. This is kind of hilarious and what you'd expect from San Francisco and sad and pathetic that uh, people, there's NIMBY, the nut in my backyard crowd, but then there's some committed liberals just will, well, that's not entirely true. It's always NIMBY with the left, not in my backyard. People who are, the school system out in California, out in San Francisco is being decimated, it's being destroyed, it's being ripped apart. The the best school in the city was shut down because it was too many Asian kids in there. I mean, that's, you want to talk about bigotry. Asian kids are doing too well. Well, you could raise the standards for everybody else. You could focus. No, 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 no. It's easier. It's easier. Look, we could make everybody else faster, but they'd have to lose weight for that. So what we'll do is we'll make the fast kid fat, and that'll slow them down. And then everybody, it's equity. It's equity. Well, this from the uh, San Francisco Chronicle. A Haywood Elementary School struggling to boost low test scores and dismal student attendance is spending $250,000 in federal money. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, For an organization called Woke Kindergarten to train teachers to confront white supremacy, disrupt racism and oppression, and remove those barriers to learning. Yeah, that's why the kids aren't learning. That racism exists in the world. Just apparently, you know, Asians were uh, victims of an increasing number of hate crimes in the last few years from Democrats Biden voters, random violent attacks, yet somehow their test scores didn't suffer. This seems pretty systemic. Not that many people went to prison for it and really or convicted. They were you know, released immediately to be able to beat up another grandma by the end of the day. And yet their test scores didn't suffer. Why would that be? Woke kindergarten sessions train teachers on concepts and curriculums that's available to use in a classroom with any of the Glassbrook Elementary's 474 students. The sessions are funded through a federal program meant to help the country's low-performing schools boost student achievement. Hey, we can't teach these kids to read, write, or do basic math. Well, how many pronouns do they name? Let's get somebody in there to make sure that they know that they're victims. And it's not because their teachers have failed them. It's not because the politicians have allowed the education system that they fund to fail them. It's because of some nebulous thing that's probably really never been a factor in their lives. But it's systemic and it's there all the time. The system doesn't know you exist. The system doesn't care that you exist. It's just a system. Does a does a fence hate you? <laughs> Is a road out to get you? Is a tree your sworn enemy? How the hell could a system 
do anything to you. So, but two years into the three-year contract with Woke Kindergarten, a for-profit company, student achievement at Glassbrook has fallen, prompting some teachers to question whether the money was well spent, given the needs of the students, who are predominantly low-income. Two-thirds of the students are English learners, and more than 80% are Hispanic and Latino. Oh. How many of them are in the country legally because i think if you're born if you're you know children of americans you probably know the language regardless of where your ancestors came from but don't worry the illegal aliens are a boon to the economy they're better than you by the way way better than you but you love this minority students what about the black and brown students the achievement is going down are they doubling down on this, I thought that the system was rigged against black people. How is it an 80% school that 80% Hispanic? How is that? How's that come to be? How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Nothing that the left says makes sense if you think about it, which is why they don't teach people to think. They teach people what to think, not how to think. Learning how to think is the greatest threat to liberalism since kryptonite threatened Superman. Not that the left was ever Superman. They were more like roid rage man. Just keep that in mind. Just wanted to make you aware of that. All right, that is enough for today. I say, I say, let's give it a rest and call it a day. Uh, by the way, I do have a little bit of business to attend to, or business, business to get to, a little bit of business. The business involves Mr. Sean Kenny. Check your messages somewhere in there. You got one from me saying y'all won. Y'all won the Buzz Aldrin book. You got the buzz you've been looking for. So thanks for playing. Good luck to everybody in the next one. This week, I'm just going to go cheap and easy and offer my book up if anybody wants it. And if not, I understand. And I'll add a different one to it next week. But it's just, uh, it's late and I got to go digging through some stuff to find other things. And there's one of my copies of my book sitting right there that I bought on eBay. So I will autograph it. I will write damn near anything you want if you want me to write something in there. Uh, I don't care. Some people have some really creative things that they've asked me to write over the years of doing this. And i like, man, if I ever become something, these some of these books are going to be used as perfect blackmail material. But, you know, good on you. That's what you get. That's the deal we make. So, yeah, you go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter .com. Check it out. Sign up. And uh, just for fun, write when you when you comment, just write what you want me to, to write in there. What Give me a rough idea. You can change it. It doesn't have to be. But get creative. And then if you win, then I'll let you do whatever. You can privately tell me what you really want in there. But have some fun with it. Why not? We'll rock around the clock tonight. We'll have some fun till the clock strikes one. Anyway, that's it for today. Tomorrow's, what the hell day is tomorrow? Tomorrow's Wednesday already? It's hard to keep track of what the hell's going on. As long as it keeps going, it's all good, right? Anyway, thank you for listening. See you tomorrow.